Welcome to the Faith and Money Podcast, where listeners are invited to explore the captivating intersection of faith and finances. Leading the way are two remarkable hosts, Keith Conley, President of True Legacy Financial Planning, and Crystal Wampler, President of Can Ethics. Faith and Money explores a diverse array of financial topics, always placing Christ at the center of our discussions. From the basics of budgeting and investing, to the transformative power of charitable giving and the dynamics of entrepreneurship, we explore it all. Keith and Crystal invite guests who are thought leaders, financial experts, and individuals who have successfully integrated faith and finances, offering practical tools and inspiring stories to guide you on your own path. If you find the Faith and Money podcast valuable and entertaining, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, and your rating will help us reach more people, empowering them to align their faith and finances. Now, without any further delay, here's Keith and Crystal. Well, Crystal, it looks like the Faith and Money podcast is growing up. You know, our our podcast now is an intro, and thank you to my good friend and, and former pastor, Clayton Willis all the way out in Lynchburg, Virginia, for his assistance with uh, our production of the Faith and Money podcast. Yeah, Keith, that is amazing. I just want to say thank you to Clayton Willis as well. I love your name. <laughs> and um, also to our viewers and listeners that we will be restreaming across multiple platforms, including Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and a YouTube channel. Excellent. Well, our calendar is quickly filling up with exciting guest interviews that you will not want to miss. In the next few weeks, we'll be hosting someone who is an expert in insurance for churches, and we'll even have an attorney involved in peaceful conflict mediation and much, much more. That's exciting, Keith. You know, sibling rivalries seem to be a big part of many families. Of course, rivalry in families is nothing new. In the book of Genesis, we find all sorts of sibling conflicts like Cain and Abel and Jacob and Esau and then Joseph and his brothers. Crystal, I I wasn't the perfect brother to my sister growing up. I was definitely a jerk. Did you pull her hair? A lot. (laughs) Maybe. Did you ask for forgiveness? Probably, yeah. Uh, I was definitely a jerk, mostly in high school. Um, I, today, I would say our, our much our relationship is much more peaceful. But I definitely have promised myself that I want to be much more of a blessing to my sister for the rest of our lives than I was in the first part of our lives. You know, I haven't quite figured out how to do that well, considering that we live in completely opposite parts of the country. I'm in the West Coast and, and my sisters in the East Coast, uh, you know, we live very different lives and we have some different fundamental beliefs uh, in worldview, but definitely, you know, we get along a lot better than we used to. Well, that's good. And, you know, God is love. So always lead with love and, and you will prevail. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely have you know, navigated some of the family dynamics a lot more peacefully. And, and, and it seems, you know, like a lot of times kids growing up, there's always that, 
that fighting dynamic and parents wonder what they've gone wrong, but it, it, you know, whether it's right or not isn't the issue. It's just that it seems to be a normal part of growing up. Sometimes, you know, siblings don't grow out of it, unfortunately, but I'm thankful that it seems like we have. Well, that's good to hear. I can remember growing up and fighting like cats and dogs with my brothers and sisters too. So I think it is just a part of, of growing up. Yeah. So our guest today is Jeannie Gormick. We will be discussing her book, You Treasured Marriage. Welcome, Jeannie. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's good to be here. Jeannie is someone that I've known for several years now. Uh, and, you know, this whole topic of, of sibling rivalry will tie in here very shortly. <laughs> but you know, before we begin, Jeannie, would you mind telling our listeners how you and I met? Oh, absolutely, Keith. Um, I had questions about my late husband, now late husband's uh, life insurance um, when he was still alive, actually. And uh, when you were at a meeting and you mentioned the insurance company and I thought, okay, let's have a one-on-one. -on -one. Let's see person to person, you know, because you're a real person, not somebody you're talking to on the phone, you were extremely helpful um, in the questions that I had at the time. And now that my husband is gone, we did implement that life insurance. So thank you very, very much for your part in it. Yeah, my pleasure. It was, it, you know, we're definitely sorry to hear about your husband, but I'm glad that that policy was able to help you. You know, so when, when you and I first met, you worked in, in the senior industry. What was your experience working with seniors? Uh, well, I started out working at an assisted living community. I was always sales and marketing. And then I moved to a, a caregiving company. Uh, and then I finally finished my career in hospice. And actually, I was the hospice volunteer manager at that time. Wow. And so what have you been doing since then? Well, COVID kind of shut things down. Uh, and I started getting frustrated about the roller coaster, which I know a lot of your listeners have been on one way or the other. And so I finally retired a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I decided, uh, well, I could see the writing on the wall, the immediate writing on the wall, and it, it wasn't going to um, be managing the volunteers the way that the company was envisioning it because... I didn't think it was going to work. But anyway, that's another whole story. So I took my retirement and uh, let's see, the first month that I was uh, sent home from work prior to my retirement, I published two of my books. I had to redo them to bring them up to the 21st century. And then I went back to working on my uh, fourth book, Your Treasured Marriage, which um, was a 40-year, it doesn't take that long to write books, by the way, if you've got a book in you, uh, but for me, it was 40 years. So uh, I published that last year, and now I'm promoting it. 
Well, that's impressive, you know, that you, you actually finished writing the book in 40 years and you completed it. So congratulations on that, Thank Jeannie. You. Thank you. You know, your book, Your Treasured Marriage, that you recently finished, includes a chapter on how your marriage was impacted by your aging parents mm -hmm. and, and how the lack of preparation can be very difficult on family members. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. And I'll bring in the sibling um, uh, information that you opened with. Uh, my brother is five years younger than myself, and he was living in the house where my parents had retired to. He had his own business that he started in that area, and um, uh, he became, by default, the caregiver specifically for my dad my our, our mother died early but then my dad developed dementia very stubborn man i can't even imagine being a caregiver for him on a regular basis but that's my sibling i i just really am so thankful for what my brother did but what happened was my parents were, as I think a lot of people in that generation, very private about their finances. And so when my dad was developing the dementia and we realized all kinds of things, um, it, it was back in the day when you didn't have to have a stock broker or a financial advisor handling your stocks. You could handle them yourself. And my dad was very much do it yourself. Oh my gosh. So we were finding certificates. I had an Excel sheet. You know, it was, it was just a mess because dad didn't want to talk about that. And um, the other thing was he had piles of papers on the dining room table. And that was his taxes. And he kept saying, and his taxes were always more complicated than mine. I, I, I had done my own taxes for years, but he kept saying, uh, I've got it handled. I'm, I have an extension. Everything's fine. Well, when we finally had to settle the estate, there were five years of unpaid taxes, and we had to deal with that. We had to take this stubborn man to the IRS and I sat, my daughter and I were there. She sat next to, to my dad, my dad in the middle. And I sat back making all these signs to the IRS guy. And I'm sure that he basically violated some of the things that he's not allowed to do, but I had already emailed or texted or talked to him on the phone. And I told him, if you want to be paid, you have got to convince this man sitting next to me that you are a professional and that hiring a uh, tax consultant would be a good idea. And it just, <laughs> not a pleasant thing. So I actually have a presentation called Just Have the Conversation. And I bring that to the adult children, and I bring it to the aging adults, and preferably before anything happens with health or mental abilities. 
and I just tell them my story on the disasters that we had to put out, including probate. There is no reason why anybody should go through probate. It's expensive, time consuming, but if you're not prepared, that's what's going to happen. The state's going to make decisions. Right. So what, what I heard you say was that your dad actually had the paper stock certificates for yep. his shares. Wow. Yep. Yep. See, he, he was an executive with General Motors. And so he had uh, the regular financial advisor and all of that who handled his retirement. But there were all these extra um, stock things. And I, it's been too long now. It's been nine years since we had to create that Excel sheet. But uh, I, I found out all kinds of things about stocks. And there, there were several companies or maybe three companies that handled stocks because I needed to find out, is this a valid stock? Or is this just a piece of paper that doesn't mean anything anymore? Right. It was a journey. Definitely. You know, with the lack of preparation, you know, you leave that headache to those who you leave behind and, and uh, can be a lot of, of source of conflict. How, how, how was your relationship with your brother through all of this? Yeah, it, it, actually, my brother and I, uh, I think I said we were five years apart. So Growing up, we really didn't re relate to each other very much. Um, unfortunately, I confess I was the evil sister, but it was all well-intentioned. But yeah, during this, this situation, um, we get along great as far as making financial decisions and helping each other through that process. But the reality, and this is something that your listeners need to take into consideration as well, when you're setting up, and, and Keith's the expert, but this is what I found, when you're setting up your trust or your will, and you're trying to find out which of your family members would be best for medical decisions and to be the executor of the will, uh, you need to ask them if they would be willing to do these things. Some, some uh, family members can't make that those very difficult medical decisions. They're just not built for that. Uh, but also, and that's the one that everybody can understand. But also here, I'd spent all this time in the senior industry. I had so many resources, even though it was in California and, and my uh, family was in New York. Uh, all of that, um, my brother was made the executor, mainly because my dad, uh, well, that age group didn't understand. I, they knew about fax machines, but they didn't understand that you didn't have to be local in order to handle it. And my brother was trying to run his solar energy business and be the executor and he's never married. So it's like there was no support for him. And it, they're also one quick little thing. Uh, my, our youngest brother, 
who is no longer with us now, but he was disabled. And it, it was like fighting tooth and nail to convince dad that I could effectively be his guardian, legal guardian. And finally, we were able to get that done. But, but dad just didn't understand then the growing dementia. You know, how, how can you make these decisions? You're so far away. And it, it was a non-issue, but the issue was dad couldn't be his guardian anymore. Yeah, I mean, these are decisions that, that folks need to make before the dementia and the other issues set in. And it's, it's always important to have that open line of communication. What do you think the key to your success in having a cordial relationship with your brother through all of this was? Because we've all heard these, heard these stories of siblings that are suing each other and fighting. And there's TV shows yeah. of murder mysteries of, and, you know, Dateline episodes of family killing each other because of, of all this tension. So what was the secret in your family for you and your brother to remain cordial? You know, I think the best way to answer that, Keith, is to explain about my last trip there, which was just a couple of weeks ago. I spent a month uh, with him and I, I'm basically trying to clear up closets and things like that, just so that it's not a big mess when the time comes. But uh, we started, uh, we started studying our personality traits as it related to each other. He's introverted, I'm ex extroverted. Um, he is, uh, well, I, I don't wanna get into a lot of it, but there, he reacts to things differently. As we were growing up, I, he's a very sensitive individual and I just couldn't see it. it term is man up. And when we were growing up, it's like, man up, you know, come on, I'm going to throw snowballs at you to get you to man up. I mean, it was it was crazy. But as we have gotten to know each other, and I know, as I've been able to show my appreciation for him being the caregiver of our dad, before we put him in the uh, VA home, um, we just worked it out. Uh, but now I understand where he's coming from as an individual person. And I just, I highly recommend those personality trait tests um, for personal relationships. Uh, so how did you come up with a way of preventing these experiences within your own family when you lost your husband? A, oh, um, wow. We, when I lost my husband, I, I have three kids and we all rallied together. Um, and it, that's what family is. And I know not everybody's family is that way. I'm, I'm doing a research on narcissism and all kinds of other things that are just coming in are are coming into my life um 
but we were blessed with a really good family. I had a fantastic husband for almost 50 years. And because of that, we, we had our struggles because marriage is full of struggles. But that's, that's how we did it. We just came together as a family. Uh, but recognize that not all families are like that. Keith, Keith mentioned the sibling rivalry and, and the, the things that I saw at the assisted living community that I worked, worked with. Um, the, the, well, the typical situation, there was some son out in Chicago someplace and he got mad that the sister was placing mom it took forever to convince mom that she'd be better off in the, that location. And then the son comes along and basically the son's motivation was money. You know, hey, I want to inherit as much as possible. So don't spend the money on mom now. It's awful out there. But if you can get support, family support, spousal support, it makes a difference. When I, when I do financial planning with my clients, I always like to start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm always telling folks is that the longer term perspective, the better, which is a very common thing for us financial advisors to say. But when I say that, I have eternity in mind. Interesting. I'm not just talking about, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. And I want, one of the questions I ask my clients is, how are your financial decisions going to impact eternity? Mm. And, you know, certainly I'm not insinuating we buy our way into heaven. Um, <laughs> I think the Protestant Reformation kind of disproved the idea of purgatory. Sure. Um, that was a joke. Uh, um, but, you know, our, our financial decisions impact eternity. And, and when I work with clients who care deeply about leaving a, a financial inheritance to their children, the idea is that they are leaving a blessing to their family. Yeah. But what happens more often than not? The, the money is not only wasted and squandered, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa pass away and the family is not united. They fight. Yep. And is that honoring to, you know, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa to know that the siblings and the grandkids are all trying to get their hands in the cookie jar and there's the, all this resentment flying around. Uh, and, and so when we talk about eternity, one of the things we talk about is the next manager of the wealth that's being entrusted to the next steward. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, what kind of, I, I guess what I'm kind of leading into is what kind of conversations do you think are, are necessary to make sure that the money doesn't create conflict and strife, but actually keeps the family united. Yeah, I think, especially if you are dealing with family members that don't have dementia, 
ideally don't even have any major health issues right now. And you bring them together, first of all, honoring what mom and dad want is, is a key. In other words, and there's so many motivations. Again, Keith, you, you've seen them all. Um, we want uh, to be able to give you uh, each uh, an equal amount of money. Um, or you might have to have a conversation that so-and-so, one of the kids isn't, or a grandchild, is not a very responsive, financially responsible person. You, you love them, but have those kinds of conversations, um, even if they're not all with the family conference, you know, the, that grandchild may be um, not present, but all of these things need to be brought up. You, you need honesty and openness, and then hopefully the family will honor what mom and dad want. Because some of the discussion is, do you want to be cremated or buried? You know, and those are the kinds of things that should be brought up. It's difficult. It's a very hard uh, decision. But especially cremation and burial, that's a financial decision as well. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting that you're saying about, you know, honoring what, you know, the, the mom and dad and grandma and grandpa want. Because you might have, you know, Johnny saying that mom and dad wanted me to have the vacation house and that's not what's in the trust or, or they're trying to manipulate, you know, their, their parents or grandparents to change the trust. Yep. You know, and so what I've always emphasized is that there needs to be a, a, opportunity multiple opportunities on a regular basis mm -hmm. for the family to tell their story yes. of who they are what they've done what they've failed to do you know what they their their challenges their their failures their experiences you know what what has made them who they are today along with their successes and impart them some series of, of values um, that, that join the family together. Yeah. Because really the money is the least important part of a family. It, it should it, be. <laughs> human capital and, and the experiences of, of those family members and having the money serve those things. Yeah. Well, it's all about the legacy. You are all about the legacy. Keith, I and 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 bringing the families into these discussions to talk about legacy. Right, right, and you know the legacy isn't money. The legacy is we're committed to these values. We're committed. We have a goal to help women create peaceful, balanced lives through mm -hmm. the seasons of relationships and marriage. How are you planning to um, achieve this this goal? Well, actually, uh, since I've come back from New York and, and spending that whole month away, I'm now very seriously looking at putting together workshops for the 10 seasons of relationship 
and marriage and it's specifically for long lasting relationships or uh, so it starts with dating as either a young person or a young adult. And now you are looking at um, a long term relationship and that dating is different from just dating to have fun and, and get to know each other and, and that kind of thing. And then it goes through all of the seasons. I've selected different seasons um, to bring it, uh, uh, bring it out. Um, I have obviously the um, engagement, the pre pre-marriage, then the early marriage, then the young kids, then the teens. And I had someone mention to me, and I think it's really valuable to either pull out with other experts or even just whet the appetite for the anxiety and the depression that is going on uh, with our young people and hopefully how to prevent it in young children, give them the tools they need so that when they become teens or young adults, it doesn't become a big problem. And then uh, we go through, uh, we will go through the aging process and I'll share my story of unprepared, you're not going to have good results. And then I go into the loss uh, and grieving of a longtime spouse. However, it can also be of your parents as your parents mm-hmm. age, uh, sometimes. Oh. And then I end with senior dating because it's a different, different animal. But that's in the works. I'm in the process of pulling my research together and putting it together. That's exciting. Uh, when do you plan on launching this? You know, um, I would like, I know I'm putting pressure on myself, but I would like to have it available for either September or January as, as a good start point. Okay, that's right around the corner. Um, are, is there anywhere specifically in the United States that you're aiming to reach? I will probably do a Zoom situation unless uh, Southern California uh, wanted me say a church wanted me to come and uh, present it in person. In person is always better, but there's so many people out there that need the message about relationships and how to have that peaceful, balanced life. Uh, I don't want to limit it just to my local area. Is this uh, is this a faith based? Uh lesson or is it agnostic? Yeah, you know, that's interesting. That is definitely one of the decisions that I'm I'm making right now. I have consultants uh, and I'm asking their opinion. It may very well be that I will have a faith-based and a secular uh, situation. Um, but uh, my book, that's faith-based clearly and how scriptures got me through my my long marriage uh but honestly um that's a consideration and then it's always been for women and now i'm thinking parts of it should be maybe for couples or even the dating my brother was bringing up 
some points about um, dating uh, in his situation. And he's a guy. So I'm, I'm just formulating. And if anybody has any advice for me, go for it. I would love to have that. <laughs> That's exciting. Um, I'm, I'm interested in definitely reading your book and I'll, you. I'll give you some feedback. Um, you know, one of the key takeaways that I learned growing up and that my parents instilled in me was that um, you date to you date someone that you plan on marrying, you exactly. know, otherwise it's just friends and you're, you know, you're getting to know somebody as a friend, but you, um, you don't spend time with them alone and things like that. They were pretty strict on that. Um, does that have anything to do with your book? Uh, oh, um, interesting. I, it, my book isn't really talking about dating exactly until you get to the last chapter, because oh. the last chapter does talk about uh, dating for the first time in, since I was 17. That was, that was an interesting, eye-opening thing. But what your parents told you, there's another dynamic to that, because if you are not looking at, at your potential dates as potential life partners, then you might fall in love with the wrong person. You might have to break up with that person in wisdom. And that's, that's a very, you know, you might have to break up with somebody anyway. But why put yourself in that situation? So your parents were very wise. That's the way we raised our teen, teens as well, way back in the day. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Jeannie. Um, we appreciate you joining us today. How can our listeners contact you if they have any additional questions? Uh, yes, uh, the easiest thing, see my name up on the, the thing. If you spell my name correctly, Google me. I'm all over the place, but it's Jeannie Gormick, all one word, dot com. That is my website, and I will be adding those workshops and information on that. Uh, but that's probably the best way to, to reach me. Okay, wonderful. And just for our listeners that are not viewing us today, that's J-E-A-N-N-E-G-O-R-M-I-C-K.com. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeannie. Thanks, Keith. And uh, we will definitely uh, be glad to have this episode uh, going out to all our listeners and, and uh, invite all our listeners to review and, and, and rate our podcast five stars because uh, Crystal's awesome and famous and, you know, well, you got me too. So uh, thanks everyone for joining us. Have a great afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Faith and Money Podcast. But remember, our conversations don't end here. We invite you to continue exploring these fascinating subjects by subscribing to our podcast. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, ensuring that you stay connected to our community of like-minded individuals seeking wisdom and guidance in their financial and spiritual lives. And while you're at it, don't forget to rate and review the Faith and Money podcast. Your feedback not only helps us improve, 
but it also allows others to discover and benefit from these enriching discussions. Your words have the power to inspire and empower others to embark on their own journeys toward financial well-being and spiritual fulfillment. Lastly, we want to extend a heartfelt invitation to join us for future episodes. We have exciting guests lined up who will share their unique perspectives and experiences. Together, we'll continue to dive deeper, challenge conventions, and uncover hidden truths that can transform our lives for the better.